chapter 4 and verse 14. I've been meditating this message for quite some time. I mean, actually for probably about six months or more. And thought, well, I'll minister this someday. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was just praying one morning and the message just really kind of dropped down in my heart. And I knew I'd be uh, ministering it soon. And so in Mark chapter 4, verse 14... And we're going to approach this. Now, pastors ministering on the seed. Let's see, the harvest is in the seed. And uh, he's uh, approaching Mark chapter 4 from the financial perspective. But tonight we're going to approach Mark chapter 4 from the word perspective. And I believe it's going to be a blessing to you and really help you. Let's pray tonight and then we'll start. Father, we come before you tonight and we're asking you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. I'm thanking you, Father God, that you redeem time for us tonight. And Father, you answer the questions of every man's and woman's heart here. I thank you, Father God, that you have enlightened the eyes of our understanding. And we have complete understanding in the Word of God. And not only do we understand what we hear and learn, but we retain it and keep it in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that it bears fruit in our lives. I thank you, Father God, tonight, tonight, Lord, that what needs to be said will be said. We're going to have doors of utterance opening to us and go into rooms that need to be, where things need to be spoken out under the anointing. And Father, I thank you the result will be that men will be set free, men will be healed, men will be restored. I thank you, Father God, great increase will come into our lives. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. In Mark chapter 4, verse 14, it says, The sower soweth the word. Now, I want you to remember that throughout the teaching tonight and the ministering of the word. The sower soweth the word. Now, we also have learned, and Pastor's been in this series for a while, that according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, it says there that he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, and he that sows bountifully reaps bountifully. And then it goes on in verse 10 to say, God loveth a cheerful giver. And in verse... Uh, uh, no, and that was in maybe verse 7. And in verse 10, it says, um, in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, it says, well, just a second, it just kind of flew out the window right there. But I'll tell you what it says. I know this. Um, it, 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 talk, it says that he supplieth both uh, seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And in 2 Corinthians 9, that, that passage there from chapter, in, beginning in verse 6 through 10 is talking about financial seed. And so we know from that passage of Scripture that we can take this, this passage in Mark chapter 4 and we can apply the same principle that applies to the Word of God, which is what it's talking about in Mark chapter 4, that we can apply those same principles in the financial realm. That money can be a seed, our financial giving is seed that we sow, but also there's another kind of seed that God wants us to sow all the time, and that's the seed of the Word of God. The sower soweth the Word. Now both of them are equally right, and actually they are interchangeable. For instance, let me give you an example of that. Um, by interchangeable, I mean this. Sometimes you will be sowing the Word about something, you will be believing God for something and you're sowing the word. You're putting the word out there and sowing the word. And God will say, I want you to give a financial seed. And he will have you water the seed of the word that you're putting in the ground with a financial seed because they are interchangeable. You can water with financial seed. And then sometimes you can be sowing financial seed, I'm a giving, 
And God will be saying, I, I, God will get you in, 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 he doesn't want you to just be a bucket plunker where you plunk your seed into the bucket and you never do anything about it. When you put your seed in the bucket, um, he expects you to water that seed with words. And so this is interchangeable. And uh, in the Word of God, we find that that happens. Uh, there's, there's very many examples, but one example of someone believing God for something and sowing the Word, and God saying, I want you to give a financial seed, is the woman in, uh, the, I believe it's in Kings, it's in one of the Kings, where she, uh, she uh, is a woman, the married woman who has no son and wants a son very badly, and God leads her to build a prophet, uh, a prophet's chamber to build a little room on her house. In other words, to sow a financial seed into the, because it costs money, you know, to build a little room on your house. Sow a financial seed into the prophet's life. So he has her to water what she's believed in her heart and wants. He has her to water it with a financial seed. And so these things, they interchange. But tonight, and I didn't want you to be confused about that because pastor's been preaching on the, on, the, on, the, on the seed. The harvest is in the seed. And he's been approaching that from a financial perspective. But tonight we're going to talk about you sowing seed. And what we're literally going to talk about is you sowing the word. The word is seed, okay? In Mark chapter 4, he gives us a long discourse, beginning in verse 14, about the sower sowing the word. And when you get down to verse 26, we're going to come back to some of the other things he says there, but let's skip down to verse 26. And he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now he's given us a big clue here. He's saying, so is the kingdom of God. Well, you read throughout the Gospels about, um, um, you read about the kingdom of heaven, and you read sometimes it says the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is a place. The kingdom of God is a system. It's God's system of doing business. It's God's system. It's how he works, how he operates. And so he says here, so is the system of God. This is how I operate, is in other words, is what he's saying. So man, if we can find out how God operates, and we can operate like God operates, we're going to do good, aren't we? And he says the kingdom or the system of God works like this. A man, if a man should cast seed into the ground, or because we know we're talking about this time, the seed being the word, if a man should cast the word into the ground, that he's talking about taking the word of God here and planting it as a seed. And then he says in verse 27, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up, spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Now this is a very important passage of the scripture. All the Bible is important, and every verse and every word in the Bible has significance, but some are far more important than others. And this is one of those that is very important. It's also one that eluded me for many years. I just didn't grasp a hold of this part of the gospel. But when you grasp a hold of this, everything begins to work in your life. The sower sows the word. And so he says in verse 26, the system of God works like this. A man should cast the word into the ground. 
In other words, we've got to plant the word. And you plant the word with your mouth. You take the promises of God, it's very simple, and you plant that word with your mouth. You take that word and you plant it with your mouth. And so here he says, he talks about that, that we cast seed into the ground. So if there's no seed going into the ground, you're not going to have any harvest, are you? If there's no word going into the ground, you're not going to have any production. You're not going to have any harvest in your life. So we've got to cast seed into the ground. In verse 27, he says, and should sleep, the man goes to sleep, rises night and day, and the seed should spring up, spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. See, in verse 27, he tells us something real important. When a man casts the word into the ground, he has to let that seed have time to grow. But see, the body of Christ has not done that at all. I mean, we heard the confession message, and we confessed it three days, and we thought, why don't I have this? Because we didn't know this. It says the man has to go to bed and get up and 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 let his seed have time to work in the ground. And he does not really know how it works. It's not important that you know how the word, how that word reproduces and how it happens after the seed's in the ground. It's only important that you plant it in the ground. You don't have to know how does this work. Do you know how it works when you put a corn seed in the ground? Well, you may have a little bit of an idea. You know it germinates and you know, but really, do you know all the DNA and all that? Do you know all that kind of stuff? I don't know all that kind of stuff. Now, maybe if you're a biology teacher, you do know all that kind of stuff. But, you know, in, in one sense, though, how, even if you know all the facts, can you really understand how God makes that seed know what to do? Not really. Not really. And so we don't really know, have to know. We just have to trust. Well, God, you said your word was a seed. You said that I should plant it in the ground. You said after I plant it in the ground, I'm supposed to get up, go to bed, get up, go to bed. In other words, I'm supposed to go about my daily business letting that seed work in the ground. Amen. And then in verse 28, he says, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself. Right there, he tells us the ground knows what to do. When you put the seed in the ground, the ground knows what to do. The seed knows what to do, and the ground knows what to do. When you put a corn seed in the ground, did you know you don't have to tell that seed what to do, do you? You don't have to tell the ground what to do. You don't have to tell it what to do. It knows what to do. The ground knows what to do. The seed knows what to do. It's programmed into it. It's programmed into the seed to know what to do. Amen. It, it, you have to, it, it just knows. And the ground knows what to do. In verse 28 he said, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. Now right there, family, that last part of that verse, first the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear, that is the law of progression. You need to always remember this part. That is the law of progression. Now, a lot of people don't know this. I didn't used to know this, and people don't know this. And you'll get messed up on the sower sows the word if you don't know that there is a law of progression that has to work on your seed. 
In other words, I don't plant a seed with my, the, the word with my mouth. My seed must go through a law of progression. And my seed is going to bear fruit this way. And he didn't give us every step. First, we know when we put a seed in the ground that that seed has to germinate. Even before the blade comes up, the seed germinates in the ground, doesn't it? There's activity underground, isn't there? Before the first little blade comes up out of the ground. Isn't that right? Couldn't you dig that up and you could see that that seed had sprouted underground, that it had germinated? But then, then there's another thing that happens is a little blade comes up. And at first, that's all there is, is a little blade. And then, he, and then we know it progresses, and actually, he didn't tell us the next step, but actually, after there's one blade, there's several blades on a corn stalk. Think about a corn stalk, because he's talking about corn here, because he's talking about the ear. He talks about the ear. He uses the corn stalk. And so first, there's one blade, but then there's many little blades. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever seen corn out here? Amen. And then, and then he says, then after there's the blade, there comes an ear. Now let me tell you some, ask you something. You, you, those of you, have anybody ever garden? Anybody ever plant corn? Amen. You plant corn, don't you? Well, when those, those, those ears first appear on the corn, you can't eat that corn yet, can you? What would happen if you, if you just thought, boy, there's an ear today. That's my first ear. And you just started shucking that thing. What would be in there? Uh, yeah, not much, would there? Not much in there. It's very undeveloped, isn't it? And, and so then he said, so he said, first the blade, then the ear, and then he said the full corn in the ear. But even after you first get that first ear, even if you don't shuck that thing then, is there full corn in the ear right away? No. In fact, I know we used to, my mom, you know, we would go and I, people would give us uh, uh, vegetables. We never really... When I was growing up, my parents didn't garden. But, you know, we had a lot of friends. And we lived in a farming community, with, and a lot of our friends were, were farmers and were agriculturally oriented. And so they would have gardens, and they would give us fruits and vegetables. And so sometimes people would give us corn. And, you know, I would get to help shuck that corn and pull all those little silks off. That's just such a mess, isn't it? And, but I noticed that, you know, it, was, it wasn't very often that you got that where it was a very perfect cob and every little, every little kernel was perfect. A lot of times you'd get it and you'd have a row of perfect and then you'd have a row that was there's a little and then it skips a spot. And then, did y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all ever seen corn that skipped little spots? And you know there was like kernels missing. It wasn't completely developed yet. Now it was still edible, it was edible, but it wasn't totally developed yet. It wasn't the full corn in the ear yet. Amen? But we didn't want to leave it on too long in the case of, of the agriculture side because we didn't want that corn to get, you know, if you leave it there too long, it gets tough and hard, doesn't it? And so we wanted to get it while those kernels were tender and sweet. But in the trying to get it tender and sweet, sometimes we got it just a little too soon and we had undeveloped rows in, that, in those corn. Y'all know what I mean. And we ate it anyway. Amen? We ate it anyway, even though there was missing places in the corn. Well, here, that's how it is. And you see, if you understand this, you'll never be upset again and go, I sowed the word and it's just not working. Because I noticed in believing for healing that you, okay, you know, you, it, it, sometimes God heals by a gift of the Spirit. 
Sometimes you're called out and you get healed by a gift of the Spirit. Man, it's instantaneous. And you know, praise God for the instantaneous. I love it when you get healed instantly. But you know, sometimes God says, now I want you to do this by faith. Now sow the word. And why he decides sometimes to do it by faith and sometimes he does it by a gift of the Spirit, I don't know. I just know that healing's always available. Amen? And so, uh, this, so you believe for healing and you take the word and you put that seed in the ground. And okay, I've got the seed in the ground. I've sowed the word according to Isaiah 53, 4. By his stripes I was healed. And I've got my seed in the ground. I believed I received when I prayed. Now I've got to get up night and day, night and day. The seed's working. I don't know how, but I know it's working. I've got to get up night and day. And so for a while I don't see any Anything, but the word's working underground. Amen. It's working in the ground of my heart's where it's working. And the seed's working. And so I get up night and day and night and day. And then all of a sudden there's a little blade. But do I have healing yet when there's a little blade? No, because to be totally healed, I've got to have the full corn in the ear. And so I'm so I can, if I don't know this though, I can say, What well, this is taking too long, you know, and I just get so frustrated and I cast away my confidence. But even then, okay, you get the blade and then you get the ear. And then all of a sudden, I noticed when believing for healing, and this is how God taught me this, actually. He taught me this. He spoke this to my heart for myself personally. I noticed I was believing for healing. And all of a sudden, it was just like, all of a sudden, symptoms just were gone. And I was just like, two weeks just feel wonderful. And oh man, I'm healed. I got the manifestation, the word worked. And then all of a sudden I'd have a day and it was just like, oh my God, what happened to it? Where'd it go? Uh oh, I don't feel good today. Oh, my body's not acting like it's healed. Did I lose it? What did I do? Did I make a wrong confession? And I, I, is Satan trying to steal this thing from me? Well, yeah, he is, but more than that, what it is, and this is what the Lord showed me, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Just keep on on the Word because you're going to get a full corn harvest if you'll keep on on the Word. But He showed me He showed me that ear of corn. And He showed me, man, I'm rocking along, and I go two weeks and all the little kernels are already all there. And then all of a sudden I get on one of them rows and that kernels are missing. It, the full, it wasn't completely developed yet. And so there was this, it was like a, being in this cycle. It was like, oh, I'm, I'm healed. I feel so good. Oh. And then all of a sudden, oh, I feel so good. Oh. Oh, and see, a lot of people go through this. You're just running into them little kernels that aren't developed yet. And you just have to say, oh, God, let's get out of these undeveloped kernels. And you just have to press on through with the Word, with the Word, because one day every kernel gets developed. Now, this will work for healing, and it works for finances, too. Did you ever believe God because you were in a real bad financial situation, and you believed God, and it seemed like it lightened, and you sowed the Word, and all of a sudden you, finances came in, and you had a little boom there. And man, I tell you what, we had more of this payday, and everything was good. And then you turn around the next month, and you go, Dear God, what happened? It's just one of them little undeveloped kernels. It's just an undeveloped kernel. And you run into weeks like that, don't you, Marlon? And you go, dear God, I hate these undeveloped kernels. But you don't get off of the Word. 
You've got the word in the ground, and if you'll keep it in the ground, you'll get the full corn in the ear. Now, this if you're believing for mental health, if you're believing for financial, if you're believing for healing in your body, if you're believing, it, it works the same with your kids. You know, you'll believe God for your kids, and all of a sudden, they'll act nice. <laughs> and you go, bless God, this thing is working. And the next day, they act like a holy terror. And you go, something went wrong here. I just, and Satan lies to you. He tells you, you know it didn't work. Oh, but it is working. It is working. You just run into one of them little undeveloped kernels. And I know if I can just stay steady, I'm going to come to some developed kernels again. Amen. And you know, depending on what you're believing for. They need to believe in for a headache. That's a little simpler than if you're believing for cancer. Amen. You're going to have to sow. Would you all agree you're going to have to sow a little more word to get rid of a cancer than you are to get rid of headache? Now, short of a gift of the Spirit operating. But what we need to do as the body of Christ is we need to approach healing just like every one of them was going to be gotten by faith and sowing the word. We go ahead and sow the word. And God, anytime you want to intervene with one of them special, supernatural, miraculous, fast things, just go ahead, God. Amen. I want to be an example of your goodness. I want to be an example of your glory. But I'm going to develop my faith in the meantime. And I am going to sow the word. Amen. And I'm going to sow it on a regular basis. God wants to get you tonight on a, where every person in this room is sowing the word consistently on a daily basis. Getting up every day and sowing the word. Don't care how you feel. Don't care how you look. Don't care what happens. If you have to do it on the road. If you have to do it sitting. I, I was sitting out in the parking lot the other day. And I just, you know, hadn't had time to sow the word. And I was just sowing the word. And I mean, there's a man over in the car over here. And he, he I know, he thought, because I'm, I'm sowing this thing loud. I mean, because I'm not, because if you have to sit there, my mind wanders. I have to sow this thing. Because I, I got to get myself involved in this. And I was saying, and, you know, I was sowing the word. I always use my little confession, but, and I'm sowing the word, and he's looking at me strange. Well, I figured he needed it. He looked like he did. <laughs> and so I don't care. I'm going to sow the word. I'm going to sow the word. And God wants to get every one of you sowing the word on a daily and a consistent basis. Amen? Sowing the word. When I feel good, I sow it. When I feel, don't feel good, I sow it. When it looks like it's working, I sow it. When it looks like it's not working, I sow it. Amen? Because I'm going to get the full corn in the ear. First the blade, though, then the ear, and then the full corn in the ear. Amen? Well, um, there's a little bit more to this now. So let's go on. I believe you've caught that part. Um, so uh, we have that law of progression. So after you've planted the seed now, you have a responsibility to tend your crop. You've planted the word, now you've got to tend the word. And there's some things you've got to do. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to water the word. Now the word tells us to water, but it doesn't tell us in Mark chapter 4. You find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and in verse 6. See, planting is necessary and watering is necessary. They are both necessary. So after you've planted the word for healing, then you water the word. And we find out how to water it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 
And verse 6, he says this. Here's a clue. Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, we notice that it's necessary for a seed to be planted and watered. It's not enough just to plant it. We cannot neglect our seed. We might only have to plant our seed of the word for this to, to get that full corn in the ear. We have to water the seed. And he said, I, Paul planted, Apollos watered, and who gives the increase? God gives the increase. When you plant your seed and water your seed, God is going to see that you have increase on your seed. Actually, he doesn't really have to do anything. He programmed the seed before the foundation of the earth to do this thing. Amen? Praise God. And, and then and look down in, uh, in verse uh, 8. Now this is really enlightening. It says, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. He that planteth and he that watereth are one. It's the same. What he's telling us there is, first of all, you've got to do the planting and you've got to do the watering in your life. You've got to plant the seed and you've got to, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And also he's telling us there that you plant and water the very same way. The same way you plant the seed is the way you water the seed. You plant the seed with your mouth and you water it with your mouth. So today, if I open the word and say, I need healing in my body. Okay, Isaiah 53, 4 says that uh, surely he hath borne um, uh, our trans... Uh, starting out in the middle of the verse, so... <laughs> He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Father, your word says that by his stripes we are healed. So I take that seed of the word, and I plant it in my heart. And right now, I believe that I receive according to your word. Okay, I just planted it. So tomorrow, I get up, and I have to water my seed. Well, how do I water my seed? He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my antiquities. The chastisement of my, for my peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I just watered my seed. And I, that's how you water. You plant and you water the very same way. Amen. And then he says in verse 8 there. He says, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. See, your harvest is going to be according to your labor. You have to do the planting. You have to do the watering. And you gotta, you got to have to labor in your seed, in your garden. I can't do it for you. Pastor can't do it for you. Your wife can't do it for you. Now, she can plant a seed in your heart. In other words, by test. Grandma can't do it for you to you to try to get you started but 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 there's a point where you got to say okay now I take hold and I'm going to take what she's I'm going to listen to what she said and I take hold and I'm planting this seed in my heart and I'm receiving Jesus as my savior amen and then I'm acting on the word and I'm planting the word and so you have to do it yourself and then another thing that must be done the responsibility you have to your seed is back over in Mark chapter 4 we'll go back over there you have a responsibility to defend your seed. The Bible teaches us there in Mark chapter 4, uh, uh, beginning in verse 15, that after the seed is sown, that Satan is going to try to steal that seed. And you've got to defend your seed. 
And he's and and we're going to read these scriptures here, but let me just tell you ahead of time, he tries to steal your seed in a progressive manner. In other words, he tries one thing, and if that doesn't work, he goes to the next thing. He doesn't give up. If it doesn't work what he tries the first time, he tries something else. But God said that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Family, God is so mighty and he's so wonderful, he told us all the tricks Satan was going to try right here. And he, I guarantee you that everything he tries on you will fit in these categories beginning in verse 15. And he said, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. The first thing he does is he tries to steal it immediately. He tries to steal the word before you walk, out, before you walk ten steps after sowing it. Well, I, I think that most of the time, the way he tries to steal the word there is he, he lies to you. He says, well, that didn't work. See, you don't feel any better. And if we aren't spiritually sharp and alert, we'll buy that thing. We'll buy that lie. We'll buy that lie and we'll say, yeah, you're right, I don't. In fact, if anything, I think I feel a little bit worse. You know? In fact, I think there's a pain in another part of my body now. And a lot of times there is. I found this, that a lot of pain can be got rid of just like that. That a lot of pain, you don't even have to sow the word. That some pain is demonically inspired. Some pain is just a demon spirit. Now, I know, you know, not all pain. Some pain is caused by disease in your body. But sometimes you'll just be walking down the road, and all of a sudden a pain will just hit you. And I found this to be true. And I'll just say, no, in Jesus' name, I don't take that. Get off of my body. And it'll leave right then. Right then. And sometimes I have to speak to it just a few minutes more. I said, I said, no, I'm not, you get off. I'm not taking you. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I won't take you. All sorts of little pains, you know, just in the ankle or the, you know, just nothing, but just a, just a something that just kind of shoots through you. Just demonically inspired. Just don't take it. Don't let him plant that seed. See, he's trying to plant a seed. Don't let him plant that seed to start with. Don't let that thing take root. I used to not do that. I used to think, oh, if I just ignore this, I think it'll go away. You know, you might wake up in the morning, man, you felt a little like queasy or something. I, I, no, I'm not taking that in. I refuse that in Jesus' name. I'm redeemed from the curse. I will not take that. But I used to just think, oh, God, maybe this will go away. And if you're really carnal, you'll think, oh, good, I don't have to go to work today. <laughs> now, I know you think like that because I used to. Or you're tempted to think like that. Or you used to think like that. And if there was something I really didn't want to do, oh, I just wish we didn't have to go to that wedding. Oh, good. I can tell them I really don't feel good. I know that is carnal. That's sick, family. That's sick to want to be sick. <laughs> to get out of something. But it, it, listen, it worked on me that way. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, Satan comes immediately and tries to steal the word. But if he can't get it immediately, well, then he goes to the next step. One thing he tries, you know, you come to church and boy, you get the word sown in you. And boy, you are just... And you get in the car 
And that old spirit of strife comes in that car just like that. You know what that spirit of strife is trying to do? Steal the word. But just because that spirit of strife comes in the car, and just because you might just be tempted just for a few minutes and you might even get over in there just a little bit, well, just back yourself right back out. Because see, just because you got into strife, he hadn't stole it yet. He's just setting you up to steal it. Amen? So you just catch it and you just back right out of it. It's the same way with you say, uh, you speak a wrong confession. See, when you speak a wrong confession, you hadn't lost your seed yet. But you keep that up and you will. And so you just back right out of it. I renounce that. I just renounce things a lot sometimes. <laughs> I renounce that. I don't take that. I refuse that. I'm sorry, Father, I repent. I said that. I don't take that. And then I counter it with, well, what do I, what do I say I have? Amen. Because, see, I'm going to have what I say. Guarding my seed all the time. i got to be guarding it. Amen? And, boy, so, it, so it, it, it's a full-time job. It really is. Well, the more your mind renewed, the easier it gets. It does get easier. But you can't ever let your guard down. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been in this faith thing. You can't let your guard down. You've got to be guarding your seed. Amen. And so then he goes on to tell us some of the next steps that, that, that Satan's going to take in verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction, the next thing or one of the things uh, that Satan's going to try on you is affliction. Now that word affliction there, it's important that you know this, means pressure. It means pressure. He says, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So there's three things that he tells us there that are going to be tried. And, and I want you to notice there he said, for the word's sake. We could say it this way, for the seed's sake. That Satan comes for the seed. He really doesn't care about you. He doesn't want you getting a hold of the word because he knows it works. He knows you'll have the full corn in the ear if you stay on that word stuff. He knows you'll have victory. He knows you'll be free. He knows you'll be prosperous. He knows you'll be healed if you stay on that word stuff and you keep that seed in the ground and you keep it watered. He knows it. So he goes for the seed. Amen. And so he brings affliction or pressure. I've noticed that this pressure is against the mind, but it's also against the body. Sometimes it's against the mind, sometimes it's against the body, and sometimes it's against both. And it can be pretty intense, the pressure. But you resist the pressure with the Word. My husband taught me this, and we would be believing God for something in our first church. I know one time we were believing for $30,000 cash to build a wing on the church, and the wing had to be built. It was for our school, and we had to be built before school started. And then we were, uh, we were court building as we went, but we were getting up like, you know, two, a month before school started, and we didn't have, and we were just building as we went, and all the money wasn't in, and uh, we weren't charging anything. We were paying cash. And boy, some mornings, you especially, you know, at that time I did the offerings, and you'd go, and you'd count the offering, and oh, just all this pressure seemed to want to come on you. And my husband would say, Debbie, put the pressure on the word. Put the pressure on the Word. When Satan tries to put pressure on you, you put pressure on the Word. Amen? You don't take the pressure. You put the pressure on the Word. But family, you need to know that it's just 
pressure from Satan trying to steal the word from you. He's trying to get the word out of your heart because he knows what it does. He knows. He's not afraid of religion. He's not afraid of you coming to church. He's not afraid of you singing hymns. He's not afraid of you praying, but he's afraid of the sower sowing the word because that's what produces. That's what you get a harvest on. Amen. He's afraid of it. And so he goes to great lengths we're going to see here. The next thing in that verse that he said is persecution comes. And persecution, that word persecution in the Greek means to drive away. To drive away. See, he starts persecuting you, trying to drive you away from the word. And what, I've noticed that persecution can come this way. Other people's opinions can be a type of persecution. Oh, you're made a stand for the word and other people will start giving you or your, their opinion. They'll give you their opinion about what you're doing and they'll give you their opinion about you. Well, you're crazy. Well, that's persecution. Well, you're stupid. You must be crazy. Uh, and you know, we are human and we love people. And you know, we want people to love us. There's not anybody in this room that says, I really like it because they don't like me. No, I want people to like me. Now, as you mature, you get where you care less, whether they like you or not. But you know, all things being equal, and if, I, if it doesn't, I prefer that you like me, but I'm not going to change my word because of it. And so there's persecution. And sometimes persecution comes, main, comes bigger than ever from family. Well, they'll start walking around you. You go to a family reunion and nobody even talk to you if you get too religious. Or what they think is religious. We're not religious, but they think, oh, you know, they're fanatics. You know? And they'll walk around you. I mean, sometimes this happens. There, every once in a while you find somebody in your family that's hungry. But I'll tell you, there was some persecution for us. Oh, Satan wants you to back off. He wants you to back off of the word. And so sometimes family will persecute you. Not all the time. Praise God. But sometimes it does. And you know, another part type of people that will persecute you when you get on the Word is other Christians. Oh, man. They like to persecute people that believe in the faith and the Word movement and all that. They want to persecute you. They don't like you being in faith about the thing. And so they persecution tries to come. You know, and sometimes it'll come. Satan will try to use people in our life. You know, he plans this. He plots this. He tries to use people that really esteem, that we really esteem, that we really want their approval. We really want them to love us. Sometimes it comes from parents, even. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it can come from your children, even. There can be a kind of a persecution. Sometimes it's not so much as what's said, but you can feel it. You can feel it in the air. And it's all designed to get you to back off. And then the next thing he does is he tries to see there that they might be offended. He tries to bring an offense. He tries to get you offended. He tries to get you offended two ways. First of all, he works at it trying to get somebody to, to um, he tries to get sales clerks in stores to chew you out and act ugly to you. He tries to get waiters in restaurants to act really ugly. Because it really doesn't matter to him if you know them. 
He just wants you offended because it doesn't matter who you're offended at or why you're offended. It doesn't matter if you have a reason to be offended or if you don't really even have a reason to be offended. If you're offended, he's just about got the word stole out of your heart. Because faith worketh by love. And if he can get you offended, all of a sudden, you're madder than a hornet. And you're tell, I'd like to tell them, and I want to give them a piece. I know, because, you know, I, 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 I've been on all of these places. And I'd like to tell them this. And, I just, and then he, he wants you to stew about it. You know what stew means? You know about stewing in your juices? Don't y'all stew in your juices here? You know about that? He wants you to stew about it. He wants you to brood on it. He wants you to think about what an injustice it was and how terrible it was. See, he's got you focused on something else. He's got you off of the word and you're focused on something else. Why, man, you were stewing so much today, you forgot to water your seed because you were stewing. Because he wants you offended. And you know, then he'll, if he, can't get, if he can't get anybody to offend you to do something, then he'll just tell you, did you see how they looked at you? Did you notice those people in church, they didn't even speak to you? Did you notice your family at that family reunion, they didn't even speak to you? Did you know family? God, God wants you to not even notice those things. God wants you to be so secure in him, you don't care really if they speak to you or not. You love them. He wants you to be so secure in Him that even when they don't love you, that you just go past it and love them anyway. That you just drown them in love. I love to do that. I love to get around family that's really trying to reject you, but you're so secure in who you are in Jesus that you just love them and you just bless them and you just talk to them. And you know, and it's like you are making them so uncomfortable because they want to be offended. I don't know about y'all, but we got a big family and we got some just like this. We got some that when we walk in the room, of course, it might be because we're preachers, but they just, uh, the conviction of God comes on them. Actually, it's really kind of fun. And they act weird. Family gets, you know, they start acting weird because you're a preacher. You know, I've seen people nearly swallow cigarettes. <laughs> I, I have. I've seen people, I mean, they do funny things with cigarettes. They could burn holes in themselves and their clothes with cigarettes just because you're a preacher. Well, you know, I appreciate that they respect that enough, but you know, really, it, it's God. I, I really do, I do appreciate that. I, I don't like it when people just blow smoke in the preacher's face. You know, the, I appreciate that respect. But, um, you know, a lot of times they just, you know, I've seen them do all sorts of strange things. And you know, our family, oh, you talk about getting, you'd think, that you get kind of, that they think you're weird or something when you get on the word. They always try to give us something spiritual for Christmas. Like we didn't just like perfume and jewelry and, uh, 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 you know, just ordinary candles and things that other people like. So they want to give us, if we hung every picture that had a scripture on it that had been given to us, family, it would be wall to wall scripture at our house. Because they, they, they think that that's all they can give you is something like that. Because that's all you do, you know. Except for Michael's little brother who gave us lottery tickets. <laughs> now you talk about not having a religious spirit. <laughs> you know, in Texas, there's the lottery. And so he gave us lottery tickets. Well, the bad part is that we own, I mean, he gave us a bunch of lottery tickets and he gave the kids lottery tickets. And you know, that was, and their uncle Dwayne always gave them really nice gifts. And that year, that's all they got was lottery tickets. But he, but they won. I mean, you know, they were scratching and they were winning. And you know, it's like, it's like, oh dear, what do we do? And we didn't want to tell them, well, you know, because they were going, well, if we don't get to cash them, we don't have a present from Uncle Dwayne. 
And so we went to the next town. We wouldn't do it. And we snuck in the 7-Eleven and cashed the kids' lottery tickets and gave them the money. Now, we wouldn't have bought them ourselves, understand. And Michael did tell his mother. Now, mother, he waited till July when it wouldn't be any offense. And he said, now, mother, you let Dwayne know that we don't want any lottery tickets next year, okay? And uh, so, so we didn't get any more lottery tickets. But praise God. Boy, wouldn't that have been headlines? Preacher wins $11 million. <laughs> oh, we probably took it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm not religious about this. I'd be saying, God, however you have to get it to me. Amen. Well, you know, or Brother Oral, Brother Oral, he took that money from that racetrack owner. Hallelujah. I'd have just sanctified it and made it clean. Hallelujah. Of course, we preached against lottery. But, you know, the, the big game was on Wednesday night in Texas. At 10 o'clock, you know, they gave the, I don't know what it was, but it was where they gave away the big amount. Whereas, if, and if nobody won it, you know, it was bigger the next week and all that. And, you know, really, some of people would leave church and, boy, you have to hurry up and get to the 7-Eleven and get your lottery tickets on Wednesday night, you know. Family, that's not how God wants to do it. You know what he wants you to do? Sow the word. Sow the word. Sow the word. Amen. Well, okay, so uh, here's this persecution um, and these offenses. Um, another way that offenses comes is uh, unfair treatment. You know, he'll try to get you treated unfairly at work so you'll be offended. Just don't get offended. Just, you, just don't get offended. You know what, family? You need to have this attitude. Satan cannot steal from me. You know, no matter what Satan tries to steal, God will make it up to me. God will make it up to me, and he will. Amen. God will make it up. In verse 19, he goes on to tell us some other ways Satan tries to steal the word. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Well, if he can't get you the first few ways that we've gone over, well, he goes to a different tactic. And he begins to send distractions your way. That word there, cares of this world, also means distractions. It means anxieties also. It means worry. So he sends the cares of this world. He tries to get you worrying. Instead of sowing the word, you're worrying. And you know, when you worry, you usually end up talking about what you're worrying about. So then you're sowing all sorts of negative seed. And he, he, he begins to send distractions. I've noticed when somebody, gets, oh man, they're coming to church and they're fired up and boy, they're sowing the word. Man, we are, we are turned on to this thing. I have literally seen Satan try so hard to get people distracted off of the word that he kills their relatives. Because he knows if he can, you're sowing the word, man, you are believing God. He'll go to great lengths. He'll kill people to get you distracted. He'll do all sorts of things. He'll throw every kind of distraction. He'll try to make you sick. If he can't make you sick, he'll try to make, he wants he want you at the hospital. He wants you anywhere. He wants you at the funeral home. He wants you two weeks trying to figure out how to take care of family. He wants you to do anything but sow the word. But family, you got to press on through all of those things. And you gotta, you got to say, I don't care what happens. I'm sowing the word. And I'm going to church and I'm getting the word watered in my life. Because I know what this is. This is a distraction. I have literally seen people turned on to the Lord. Turned on to the word of God. And they would have a family crisis. 
And I've literally seen it happen where they never, they're still not back on the word today. They never get back. Because you get away from something for two weeks and then he throws something else at you and, you get, and you're three weeks away and then you're six weeks away. Pretty soon you can't even figure out where it was you were the first time. And so he throws distractions. Family, we got to know it's coming. If we know it's coming when we sow the word, we can resist it. We can just keep on keeping on. Amen. That's why it takes nothing. Nothing keeps us. We just keep on. We, if it don't matter, you feel good, fine. You don't feel good, fine. We just, do, we, we just do it anyway. We go to church anyway. You feel good, you go to church. You don't feel good, you go to church. Your kids are sick, go to church. You know, I brought one this morning. Just had a fever, had a hot all day yesterday. Brought him to church this morning. Sowed the word in his life. We believe in God. Amen. But we just, you know, but, but we're not going to miss the word. Now, we're not legalist about that. We ask him, do you want to stay home? No. No, I, I'm going to go. But we just, we just, and, and you know, I'm not saying that we, well, we, there may not come a night when we do stay home, but one thing I'll tell you is we're going to sow the word. We're going to sow the word. And it don't, we just don't miss. You know, well, you got a family reunion. Well, I'm sorry, we won't be there till 2 o'clock. That's what we tell them, and that's what we did. And so we'd leave after church. We was always the last one through the lunch line. And we always, they always had on their jeans. We always had on our church clothes, which made for the even more persecution, you know. But it, the word is everything. The word is everything. The word is everything. The sower sows the word. Well, then he starts, the next thing he tries to get is the deceitfulness of riches. If, that, if the other doesn't work, he'll try to get, and that word deceitfulness means delusion. Now, you think, well, this deceitfulness of riches thing, this is just on rich people. No, he, it's not. This works on rich and poor. This works when your pocketbook's totally empty or you got $10 million in the bank. He tries to get you caught up in the deceitfulness of riches. Because what it is, is, is it can be the pursuit of wealth. It can be that, but it can also be the pursuit of provision. He can get you caught up just in the, trying to provide for your family. Just working night and day. I'm just trying to make ends meet. I'm just trying to get bread on the table. I'm just trying to provide for my family. I don't have time to sow the word, which is the word that would work and get bread on the table. But I don't have time for that. I got to work. And when I'm not working, you know, well, you know, I'm tired. And fear of lack, fear of lack. And so he, he whispers into your ear about lack. Well, you know. You know you may need this. Well, you know, you know, you always know that December's a slow month now. You really better press in right now. Did I hit a little cord there or something? So I had a little grin. Well, you know, bet, 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 better, better, better make hay while the sun shines. Because you know it could get slow. It could get bad. So you start finding yourself, you're listening to the wrong voice. You start making provision for failure. And you start cutting back. And you start cutting back on your giving. And so, and so you know, about July, you're cut back on your giving. So sure enough, in December, just like you said, you didn't plant. And just like you said, it was slow. Hello. Don't tell me I don't know. Preachers can think like this too. They can go, oh, well, you know June. You know how June is. Well, you know how December is. You know they're all doing their Christmas shopping in December. Well, you can think about it like that or you can go, man, they all love Jesus. They're all going to want to give special gifts because it's Jesus' birthday after all. Hello. And... They're all going to tithe on all the Christmas money they get. 
Hello. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. See, Satan, Satan's whispering to you, telling you things like that. And he wants to get you over on that side and steal the word. And then he says the lust for other things, that that's something. And lust there means a desire. means the desire for other things. Notice that it says the lust, in ver this is in verse uh, 19, the lust of other things entering in. I want you to notice that entering in. The desire for other things entering in. The way he says that there, it's like it nearly has a personality. Like you're just walking along, and then all of a sudden this little desire enters in. And he just sends a desire for something else, and it just starts entering in. It's nearly like it's, it's a spirit behind that thing. It's just sent to choke the word. It's sent to choke the word. Family, it's just really the truth. If you're going to make this thing work where the word's concerned, you are not going to be able to, have, to, to do everything the world has to offer. If you take the world up on every activity that the world has to offer and you play every game and you, you subscribe to every magazine and you watch every TV, you know you're not going to be able to do all that and sow the word just because of a time constraint. Even if it was godly things, even if it was good things. And it's sent, those things are sent sometimes to just get you off of the word. To get you to quit sowing the word. And sometimes just because the word's important to us and we need a harvest of the word in our life. And family, you don't get a harvest of the word needle pointing. Now, I always used to be a needle pointer, so I can say that. Is that what I did, needle point? Yeah, that's what I did, needle point. Okay. I did, and I would needle point. And you know, even sometimes I'd listen to a nut tape while I needle pointed. Or I'd listen to Christian TV while I needle pointed. But really and truly, you know, uh, there's a mind concentration to those kind of things. And uh, uh, you have to count and, you know, do all sorts of things. And you have to look up stitches and all sorts of things like that. Not anything wrong with needle pointing. But, and I'm not even saying you can't do it. But there came a time in my life where I needed to sow the word more than I needed that. Because I was going to need the word. God knew something was coming and I was going to need the word. I was already putting the word in, in a limited sense. But I was going to need more than that. And so I asked him about it one day. And he said, here's what he said to me. I said, Lord, do you want me to quit needlepoint? And he said, neither kill it nor feed it. That's what he said to me, neither kill it nor feed it. So, I, you know, the desire I had for needlepoint, I quit feeding it. And I didn't kill it either. But you know what? The Word just kept sowing the Word, and I don't have any desire to needlepoint at all anymore. I'd rather sow the Word. I'd rather pray. I'd rather go to prison. I'd rather go to church. I'd rather fellowship with you. I'd rather do all of those things. I'd rather talk about the Word. Did I, did I do that? Did I make that decision? No. The desire left. The Word, the word froze it out, I guess. I don't know what happened to it. I didn't kill it. I didn't feed it, though. Well, the way you feed those things is by doing it all the time. The more you do it, the more you like to do it, and the more you want to do it. You say, I can't imagine anybody wanting a needlepoint like that. Well, I had a lady tell me that she felt like a day without needlepoint just wasn't a good day. Well, you can feed something like that till you, you, you can't live without it just like you can't live without the Word. You can feed golf that way. I, I could name names of people that they can't, they don't, they just can't hardly stand not to go to the golf course every day. 
You feed that thing and it'll take over. But you feed the word. You sow the word and it'll take over. And, the, and if you sow to the flesh, if you sow to golf, even though golf's not a bad thing, but you sow to the flesh, of the flesh you're going to reap corruption. In other words, there's nothing good that, that you're going to reap out of that. There's not anything life-giving you're going to reap out of that. Oh, you might get a little exercise, but the Bible says bodily exercise profit a little. It profits a little bit. But the Word has everlasting and long-term benefits. See, you don't get healthy. You get health by the Word. You get set free in your mind by the Word. You get set free financially by the Word. And actually, I know men that have lost their farms because they fed that golf thing and then they got where they couldn't stand not to go and they went every day till they lost crop after crop after crop. Didn't, didn't get planted on time, didn't get harvested on time, didn't get it watered on time, lost it. I could name names for you, more than one. They fed it. They fed it. They fed it. They fed it. And it took over their life. And all of a sudden, it started, they, started, they started making decisions. How many women do you know that have fed that shopping thing? And you feed it, and you feed that thing enough. Now, I'm all for shopping. I really like it. I believe I have an anointing to do it. And, uh, and if you would like that same anointing, no, I'm just... <laughs> it can be imparted. <laughs> it can be caught. You can go with me, and you can catch this anointing to shop. But, you know, there is a thing where you can feed that thing where it takes over your life. Did you know that there are women that have to shop every day? Y'all probably didn't realize this, did you? Yeah, there are women that have to shop every day. And that they buy things, they, they buy more than they could ever wear. And there's things hanging in their closet with tags on it. And, and then there's and they're $90,000 in credit card debt and things like that. Because they feed it. And if you feed that thing, it might take over. So we don't sow to the flesh, we sow to the Spirit. We sow to the Spirit. We sow the Word. We sow the Word. We sow the Word. And it's that way with anything. It's that way with anything. It could be TV. It could be anything. It could be anything. Hallelujah. <clears throat> well, and it's all designed. It's all designed to steal the word. It's all designed to steal the word. We need to ask ourselves the question. You know, sometimes during the day, we need to just, you know, sometimes we're faced with choices. Do I go to the mall this evening? And we need to ask ourselves sometimes, have I, have I done in the word today what I needed to do? We need to ask ourselves that sometimes. And you know, sometimes before we go get on the internet, we need to ask ourselves, have I done in the Word today what I need to do? Did you know that thing's a trap too? I, I don't, time evaporates on that thing. I don't know where it goes. Because one little, uh-oh, because uh -oh. one little thing leads to another little thing. Even, even when you're hunting things about the Word, I was hunting pastor the other night. Uh, I was hunting him the Good Speed Bible. And so I got into the University of Alabama library. I didn't know you could do that, but I got in there on the internet. And though, so then that led to something else. And then before you knew it, I was in Vanderbilt's library and I was in Harvard's library and I was in, and you know, I found the book, but I never could figure out how to get the thing to open. And so I could read the book. I guess they don't necessarily, they just tell you they have the book, but you don't want to go to Harvard to pick it up, you know? And so, but I just noticed that it just, it's just, it's like it can be a trap. And it's not anything wrong with that, but sometimes we need to ask ourselves, what did I do with the Word of God today? And sometimes we have, and we, and we, we, we can have hobbies. I'm not saying we can't have hobbies. 
We can have hobbies. We can have things like that. God wants us to have other interests, but he wants us to have it in perspective of, did you sow the word today? Did you sow the word today? Have you been in the word of God today? And you know, it's not good to skip a day. It's not good to skip a day. We need to get in the word today. And you know, family, if you really get down to it, you know, and sometimes, you know, we feel tired. I don't know about y'all, but if, if you feel tired, sometimes you just want to go lay on the couch and be a couch potato, don't you? You just want to get in front of the TV and watch something that's mindless, which is about all of it, you know. <laughs> you don't have to really think to run the remote, you know. You just run that thing and you just go through it. And, you know, that's what we want to do when we're tired. But the real truth is, is the Word is invigorating. And so if we can press past that feeling of tired, and, and I literally, I hate to say it this way, but literally it's kind of like this, just kind of make yourself do it at first. You know, you just kind of make yourself, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sow this in my life. And you just make yourself and you just press through there. All of a sudden, it's like it gets a flow to it. And it's like, man, I'm enjoying this. This is fun. And you know, if you think about it, you know, and we watch, we watch Andy of Mayberry, and things like that at night. Sometimes after we get in the bed, you know, we'll watch, we'll watch Barney and uh, uh, everything. But if you think about it, you know, if you never saw another one, would it really make any difference? No. If you never really saw anything that was on TV again, it was like, I don't know if this would even make any difference. And it's getting less where it makes less difference. Because it's getting worse and it's getting less entertaining all the time. You nearly have to watch something old for it to be good. Because men are getting more, see, men are getting more warped. And so creativity comes from God. I, I'm, I'm convinced that all creativity comes from God, ultimately. Even in the unborn again man, their creativity came from God. The things that they did that were successful and good, like, like that Andy of Mayberry or whatever that's called. Andy Griffith, that's good. Like those kind of shows that were good. And like Father Knows Best, that was just my favorite show. And Leave It to Beaver, you know. That, and I'm not trying to promote those shows. But I'm telling you, even the things that were good about those, that creativity came from God. And see, man's getting further and further away from God. I'm talking about the unregenerate man. And the further away they get from God, even the further away they get from morality, even unborn again men, the less creative they get. And I've noticed that, I mean, their things aren't even funny anymore. It's like, this is supposed to be funny, even if it's not dirty. Sometimes it's like, this is supposed to be funny, but it's not funny. It's just stupid sometimes. Or it's just like, duh. You know? And, and it's because, man, the further they get away from God, the less creative they are. You know, music kind of used to be good even. But the, the farther people get away from God, the, the more it's just like, it's like they're just banging on things. Have y'all noticed that? That hard rock stuff? I mean, it's just like they're banging on things. It's like this doesn't, this doesn't, even, this doesn't even do anything. It's just like banging and clanging and, and all that. And rap, it's like, this is stupid. See, the further we get away from God, the less creative people get. So the more morally depraved the world becomes, the less we can expect for good things to come through. There used to be more creativity flowing. And you know, there's still creativity out there because there's still people that aren't saved that have a respect and an honor for God and creativity will flow through them. 
But I'm talking about, you know, the wicked and, and you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Well, we got to sow the word in our life. Because sometimes we're just, we're, just, we're just killing time. And so we got to sow the word. And God wants you, I'm not finished. Maybe I can finish next Sunday night because i got some really good stuff. Actually, I didn't get to some of the really best stuff I have, but I believe we talked about what the Lord wanted us to talk about. But the Holy Ghost, put he put in my heart tonight was that what he desires and what he desired in even the preaching of this message is that you get on a program of sowing the word daily and consistently. And so I brought three little books up here to talk to you about that. Because I know that when I first started out, I couldn't quote the word. I didn't know any of the word. I wouldn't have known what verse to quote if you said quote the word. You could have held me at gunpoint and I couldn't have done it. And that hadn't been that long ago, really. And, um, so, and, 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 you know, it would have took me 20 minutes to find anything that you might could quote. You know, I just didn't know what was in the Word. I knew John 3.16. That's all I knew. And I'm not kidding you, family. That's all I knew. 